Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 392 on Tuesday, the 20th of April, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be finding out how the chips are down for most, but not all. We marvel at a huge hall with lots of people in it. And we find out that 21 is our new favourite number. But first, we shall jump into some, well, a mix of follow-up and new news. Hmm. And that is to do with the global chip shortage, which is impacting more and more manufacturers. I noticed I noticed another manufacturer announcing that they were doing a, a reduced, much reduced production uh, coming, mm-hmm. moving forward. But effectively, what's being said now is that the chip shortage will probably last until 2023 mm. some some ceos are uh, <laughs> uh, announcing uh, which is quite worrying i, I would imagine uh, car manufacturers are now going oh hey please <laughs> i was i was on a non-automotive call this evening and long lead time components were mentioned uh, and people started saying, well, you know, we're going to have to start ordering chips really far out uh, as a knock-on effect to this. And this is in, uh, this is definitely not automotive. This is fast-moving consumer goods. So, yes, this is not just cars and trucks on this one. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, there is some good news. And uh, remember we mentioned the uh, Japanese chip maker Factory Fire. Well, they've announced that they expect to be back at full production by by the middle of May. Uh, mm-hmm. They reckon they're going wow. to be at half production by the end of this month. That is an incredibly quick turnaround considering what's happened. They had 17 fabrication machines destroyed, damaged the facilities, ultra-pure water and air conditioning infrastructure, as well as uh, they had to decontaminate the clean room as well, rebuild it and decontaminate. So that's quite a bad fire <laughs> like there's good ones but that seem to hit a very bad part of the factory yes that's, that's pretty pretty grim but but um, it sounds like they're well on well on for rebuilding yep moving on yeah the big news towards the end of last week and i think it was into the weekend uh, was the news that uh, richard parry jones uh, had died aged 69 uh, in a accident with a with a tractor on his farm so it was incredibly quick and unexpected obviously well i would imagine motoring podcast listeners to know who richard parry jones was but he was the dynamics engineer who was really credited with sort of ford's turnaround as far as building fine handling well damped cars that that were enjoyable uh, bringing enjoyable driving back to sort of mainstream cd why am i starting there uh a a b c and d sector cars Mm. across europe and across much of the world i mean we i think i first heard of him with the new monday with the new mondeo that sounds terrible with the first mondeo the mark one mondeo and then into the uh into the focus as well yeah, uh, and from then on across the whole of Premier Auto Group and all these kind of things, these kind of parts of of Ford, and yeah, fantastic reputation. Seemingly a, a great communicator as well, as someone who could sort of get to the nub of a problem, go out, try something, and then explain what the 
problem was and what the solution should be, as opposed to just saying it's not right. Mm. Or just just knowing it didn't feel right, but not able to explain it. Uh, and, and supposedly it, it, he was not feared, because if you were straight that it seems that if you were straight down the line where it, when he did a review, then everything went fine. But if you tried to, um, if you tried to obfuscate any challenges that, that then you, yes, that then you had a much harder time of it. Uh, <laughs> it seems, but he was, he was clearly really well admired in the industry because mm-hmm. the, the comments and the, the tweets and people's, reminiscence of him and the stories that have come out on social media and the likes uh, have all been really quite joyful and he's he's obviously touched a lot of people in the industry in such a positive way as well mm-hmm. so it is obviously just a real big shame um that unfortunately he has passed away and thoughts from the podcast uh with his family yeah and and of course with his friends across across the industry too Andrew, this week our new section, so new, new, new car news, uh, has <laughs> basically everyone. Th- so Shanghai's been the first big motor show for over a year now, I would say. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, for over a year now, so everybody has been saving up all their news for that, and all their new models, and all their unveilings. So there has been nothing else but new cars being unveiled in shanghai for the chinese and global markets yes so we've moved the car news before the break this week because there's nothing else really that's there's nothing else which doesn't involve misnamed level two driving uh, drive assist systems being misused yes so 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 we've skipped that because everybody else has talked about that at great length and so we're we're going to really focus, I think, on on just some of the some of the newer vehicles uh, which have been announced. So, Andrew, do you want to do you want do you want to do you want to kick off with the first one? Yeah, I'll kick off. Um, and this was uh, unveiled slightly beforehand, but this is the DS9, which is the we were talking about the DS uh, new DS last week. The it was the new Citroen last week. Citroen, was. sorry, last week, and we were all very positive and hopeful that a big big Citroen would do its thing. But um, DS is obviously, the DS9 is of that sort of large French vehicle ilk. And this is a saloon, and it's going to be uh, electrified as well. And it's going to start from £40,615 and should be in dealerships from August. Now, looking at some of the pictures, I am reminded of the... Mark One Audi A5 in four-stroke five-door guys, a little quite well. That's quite not a lot. so bad. No, I think this I, is a saloon rather than a hatch. Yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I quite like that. No, <laughs> quite liked it. it guys. It's a strange. I mean, I understand why they're unveiling it now. It's because the markets will be will be China. I guess the markets really are China, and anyone who needs to be demonstrably French. <laughs> That's the best I could come up with. So again, I can imagine it being bought by the French government. I can imagine it being bought to be shopped around by large French companies. Uh, I don't really imagine many other people will drive will buy it. No, it, which is a shame. It looks great. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be lovely. I hope the interior it looks amazing, uh, and and yeah. I hope that it, it is, you know, what one would expect from a large French vehicle. Yeah, those seats, those front seats look fantastic. They, they do, do look like something out of a concept car, and they're not. They're production. Yeah, 
Super cool. I, I am a big fan of the interior on that. This was not deliberate, but can you take us to uh, a company we have maybe mentioned once or twice recently? We, we do just put these in randomly, and then sometimes we sort of just go through and then go, Andrew Allen, Andrew Allen, Andrew Allen, Andrew Allen. Uh, and that, that actually is how, how we divvy stuff up. It's pure serendipity. But I've got the Toyota's first... This is still a concept. Hmm. It's not their first... It's the first dedicated battery electric vehicle. Yes. And if this is actually a concept, then I will be amazed. But it's the BZ4X concept. So BZ meaning beyond zero. It is a coupe-esque SUV. It's D-segment size, so it's essentially a, it's a sporty RAV. But it is EV only. Uh, and it is based on the ETNGA platform. So Toyota New Global Architecture, but the electric version of that. Uh, it's been developed in, in hand with Subaru. Yeah. Oh, and the interior is, well, the only wacky thing on it is it, it has a version of Peugeot's iCockpit, essentially. I mean, not that, not that anyone from Toyota will want me to describe it that way. But if you're aware of the way that modern Peugeots are, then the dials sit quite high and quite far away from you. And the steering wheel is very small and quite close to you. And the idea being that you look at the dials and you look at all of that, those gauges over the steering wheel and it takes a little while to get used to, but once you've sort of, once it's clicked, it, it works fine. Mm. In fact, it works really well. Uh, so Toyota have kind of taken that and they've crossed it with the latest thing we've seen from, from, from Tesla, which was a yoke style steering wheel. And the reason that they can get away with it here is that it will involve a drive by wire. So it'll be production drive-by-wire. It's kind of funny because it, it describes this as a concept all the way down. And then you get to the advanced steer-by-wire system. And it says the Toyota BZ4X concept will be available with a world-first asterisk, and then it says for a mass production model, combination of a steering yoke and a steer-by-wire system. But also it's closed off at the top as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I know there was lots of discussions on whether that yeah, was or true. was not allowed and all the rest of it. Um, I think it is if it's closed off. Was, but is, this is closed is off. Thing. I really like the look of this, actually. What, the whole thing the, or just the interior? The, the, well, the exterior, it's very much a Toyota, but I like what they've done at the front. There's no grill, by the way, but it still looks like a Toyota. Yeah, there's there's no grill, but it's not as though it's been taken off the production line before someone stamped the grill out, like maybe some other cars we've seen. Mm. And, yeah, and it it's not got forgotten. like a fake grill on it for the sake of well just in case you got scared it looked too much not like a car or you mm -hmm. know that some some others are, are going through that process because we see people going through design different design modes as they become more electrified um, but yeah. i really like this i really like this steering wheel i think that would work well i really want to try it yeah i, I like the whole thing and the reason i say if this is a concept then i don't know my I don't know what I am, uh, but uh, but it has production door handles. It has production door mirrors. Yes, it has That's what looks like production size of wheels and tires. There is nothing about this that looks like a concept apart from the word concept in the name, and then you've got sort of slips like that. Yeah, sorry, folks. Uh, but in the in in the press release, and it's like, but I thought this was just a concept. It isn't. This, if this is testing the water, it's 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 not quite diving in head first, but it's it's at least you know. I'm always quite vocal about the 
the rear windows and side windows being small and all the rest of it. And whilst this this does have, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say coupe look like you have, although it is it is it isn't more quite. That I didn't really like that because of the sloping back. Um, but I think the rear wing helps with that off the roof. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think it works really well. I, I I'm quite a a fan of how this looks with it's it's more hatchback than coupe i think i was a bit yeah. unfair so it's a bit like a mazda 3 type of proportion at the back but not as curvy yeah i i i, I would be int- yeah i'm i like this i like the look of this mm-hmm. i think it's a i think it's a good first effort definitely it's not really their first though. they've been well, doing no, this for a I mean, long, long the, time the, the first fully Oh, right, okay. Battery electric, isn't it? You know. To... Anyway, shall we move on before we dig ourselves a hole and you can tell me all about the Nissan X-Trail? Yes. Mm. I was not a fan of the previous X-Trail at all in any way, having used one for over a week. One of the main problems I had was why would someone want it over a Qashqai? Because they were styled mm-hmm. virtually the same. They were virtually the same size. It would only be if you happen to need... The four-wheel drive, that was the only thing I could think of, really. I, I Because they were a little bit bigger than the Qashqai and, and, and with the same design, I found them very difficult to drive around. So they've they've revamped it, and it's now going to come out with the uh, on the new CMFC platform, which obviously is part of economies of scale and making it more economical for uh, Nissan to make their products. Uh, and all the rest of it. So it's definitely along the lines of the Duke and the Qashqai looks up front. Mm. They are maintaining that all the way through. So if if you're fine with that, then you you know, and you like that, then this is very much that ilk, and you won't be disappointed. It again has four wheel drive, so it steps mm-hmm. out from that. But it is it does seem to be looking at the picture, and there is only one picture. <laughs> looking at the picture, it does look to be uh, bigger. Than the Qashqai, so it seems as though there's a, enough of a step up. Yeah, the, the most interesting thing about it, I think, is that supposedly it has a new e power drivetrain, uh, which essentially means that it, it runs as uh, a range extender at all times. So it's mm. uh, electric motor. Uh, sorry, it's so it's petrol engine charges a battery, drives an electric motor. So it's uh, it's range extender style setup uh, as opposed to a physical drivetrain. And according to the details from Nissan, by doing it that way, the petrol engine always runs at its mm. optimal range, which is obviously going to help with CO2, fuel efficiency, all that sort of stuff. So that sounds quite a clever way to to do the, the hybrid. Yeah, it, it gets rid of the need for a CVT and stuff. So yeah. as, as I say, it's, it's like, like stuff like the... Um, the i3 and i3 range extender we used to run the same way you didn't really have any control over the the what the petrol internal combustion engine did it was all governed by the by the electric motors in the end Mm -hmm. okay do you want to take us to audi well you talking about the audi a5 earlier on (laughs) being a sort of hatchbacky audi then audi have unveiled a hatchbacky audi the A6 e-tron concept bears in some places a startling resemblance. Well, it is a large coupe, a four-door, five-door. What is it, a coupe? It's a fastback. It's a large fastback. Mm. That's that's the correct terming, I think. With a full electric drive in it, it is one of the e-tron cars. It's the same size as an A6. 
or, or an A7, why it's not an A5... Was it Sportback they called it? No, A5. Mm. Um, I, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, it's it's A6. A very low drag, 0.22, which is unusual in, in that kind of size of vehicle. So uh, so yes, it's, it's very aerodynamic. Flip side is some of the detail... Whilst it's understandable that if you are doing a large fastback shape and you want it to look and you want it to be quite aerodynamic, then the general form is going to be the same. Some of the detailing is still very close to the Kia Stinger, particularly mm. the way the rear lights come around the corner, come around, uh, wrap around along the edge in a strip, and also the way that they sort of meet over the rear spoiler yeah. as as well. Very, very similar. Not a bad thing. You know, the Stinger's a good-looking car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, it, but it is a bit... So if you look at it and go, oh, that's just like a Stinger. Yes. Uh, some of the side surfacing and stuff is is nice. The front's a bit more challenging. It is, but not a lot. Uh, I think it. I, looks... I'm not sure what the what, the vents either side of the grill sort of. Uh, they are a little bit mirai, aren't they? That's like, yeah, thing going on. <laughs> if you didn't see that, then you're probably the winner of that <laughs> special special just for our patrons. It was, it was it was. <laughs> It was not a. Don't treat. I did it. I looked at my screen and thought that was not a good look. But you get the sort of. It's a little bit Wallace and Gromit sort of. Yes, definitely is. Uh, I I I really I really feel. I mean, this this is something I've been thinking uh, the last week or so. But I really feel the front end of cars, particularly as we go into electrification, has not been has not been handled. I don't think it's anyone's comfortable yet with what they're trying to do. It's still a learning curve, I think. I mean, we've moved on from. I think some of the, the the worst the worst looks on that was stuff like the the Ionic EV, a car that I I like lots. Mm. But you know that that early version that we took around, it had the sort of Hannibal Lecter mask as if it was if it needed to be kept separate. It was like a blanking cap, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It wasn't great, and I think that people have kind of moved on from that. I mean, Hyundai have. Yeah, and I think people are still kind of finding their way because they don't really like it being a big fake plastic grill, he says, thinking of what's coming in the next story. But they're not really sure about, you know, the blank bits a bit here be dragons and that there should be something to fill it in. But they don't really yeah. know what should fill it in yet. Yeah, I think I think it lends itself to, to the fronts of being really quite dramatically changed in how they look. Hmm. It'll come. It'll come. It'll settle. Once you know, again, it's it's also having to help consumers and not scare them off as well, mm-hmm. because that that's a big thing. You go, oh, I don't need this spaceship, thank you, or you know things like that. It's so difficult, but it, it's finding a balance between hey, look at the cool electric future, and oh my god, it's too far out for anyone. Yeah, and yeah. and we can I can think of manufacturers that have unveiled concepts that are just way too far out yeah even unveiling models that are way too far out still yeah anyway uh that that audi looks quite good by the way none of these are giving ranges as part at the minute um but yeah lots of stuff about about charging but we'll let other people go into that in more detail i think yeah right i'm going to take us to genesis which is coming to europe and this is going Uh to be the Hyundai Motor Group's luxury brand when it comes when it finally arrives here, mm-hmm. and it's going to be the so the luxury stroke premium, and they unveiled the G80 Saloon, which is their flagship model at the moment, 
and that's going to be in uh, electrified, fully electrified version, which is a little bit heavier and a little bit slower than the uh, internal combustion engine version. Mm-hmm. But as a consequence, uh, it will be able to do, what did they say, 300... Well, it has been able to do 311 miles on China's NEDC test cycle. I don't know, unfortunately, how close that ties into WLTP, but I don't think these things are miles out from each other anymore. No, I would imagine we're looking three hundred-ish anyway. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would be guessing it's at least two hundred and eighty. Yeah. So, and, and also it has, it will have the capability of charging up to three hundred and fifty kilowatts as well. Hmm. So that that means it's really quite quick. It's twin motor, so it's four wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other thing, there's uh, another couple of things it can do, one of which is uh, V2L, so it's essentially vehicle-to-grid, so it can be used to charge something else as well. And the last thing that's worth mentioning is the front grille and the really, really neat integration of the charging socket into that into that diamond pattern front grille by having a, a diamond-shaped charging door that, that pops out, but is is otherwise, you know, so you don't have anything on the flanks, you don't have anything anywhere else. Yep. It's um, it's just super subtle, which is kind of mm. cool. be interesting to see how this is played when they come to Europe from a marketing yes. point of view. I mean, there's they've got Infinity as an example of lessons to learn from mm-hmm. recent time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can also look at other manufacturers that have made it work, mm-hmm. which has obviously taken a longer time. So uh, I don't think the Hyundai group go into something with the let's just give it a go type attitude. No. We've seen that with their end division. Yes. That they when they do something, they seem to fully commit. <laughs> yes, you fully commit, and then it's either a success or it's not a success. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, they 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 fairly go at it, but I I think that they, I think as an organisation, they make decisions one way or the other more quickly than perhaps some others. Yeah, it's the impression I get. Yeah, it does does appear that from this distance. Yeah, certainly. Mm-hmm. Right, did you want to take us from uh, one premium brand to another? This time, Germany. Yes, this is a a luxury EV which isn't based on an internal combustion-powered equivalent, uh, and it's the Mercedes EQS, which was unveiled to some to some noise on social media. I I think there was a lot of lead up. There seemed to be a lot of lead up, but then actually, what I really noticed was that everyone focused on the paint finish on this limited edition launch version, which is two tone. Uh, but at the front, for some reason, it sort of dips down, and rather than following the swage line of the car, sort of touches the top of the uh, front wheel arch. And unfortunately, given it's sort of black on top and silver underneath, does kind of give it the look of a killer whale. <laughs> because this is very much... Uh, the thing is, I actually don't mind the form. I, and the, I couldn't work out why that was for a while, and that's because it, it's that sort of cab-forward aero shape which i naturally doodle in the corner of meeting notes you know back when we had physical meetings and stuff and have doodled that way since school books to be Mm -hmm. perfectly honest so so i actually quite like the form although i know that some others have been quite vocal about it it 
that form, by the way, is incredibly aerodynamic. I mean, yeah, you were saying that the Audi was good. Well, it was 0.22, so it's a coefficient of drag of 0.22. This has a coefficient of drag of 0.2, which I believe someone pointed out actually beats the Vauxhall Calibra, which was one of the lowest up until now. So the lowest spec Vauxhall Calibra with the aero wheels. The actual important number, which is the CDA, which is the coefficient of drag multiplied by the area at the front of the vehicle, it will still be lower for the Calibra because this is this is a big beastie. Hmm. Uh, but again, it's uh, quite a large uh, quite a large battery uh, with two hundred and forty five kilowatt uh, kilowatt battery, uh, rising to scroll tries to look his way through the stuff uh, to 385 for the EQS 584 Matic. So again, we're talking four-wheel drive. It's the electric S-Class. The amount of space in this must be gargantuan. Yes. When you look at how much of that side profile is given over to cabin, it must be massive. And also on that front, talking of mm. S-Class and luxury, there is a lot of a lot of talk about how quiet it is this ev is thank you know partly or a lot to do with the the seat didn't you think the s-class was hardly noisy <laughs> the s-class was hardly noisy evs are hardly noisy so i mean the combination of both it must be like if you, you sort of try and speak you try and shout and it comes out as a whisper you know it's so quiet <laughs> it's actually negatively quiet the, the mileage range under wltp is quite impressive as well because it, it comes up to 770 kilometers, which is, if I've done my maths remotely right, I think is like 470, 480 miles. Yeah, it's a massive battery mine. So that's, I can't remember, that's one of the biggest out there, isn't it? Yes, yeah. and a lot of that, you know, if by, by the time it's super aerodynamic and has a massive battery, then it's then uh, then you know you, you're going to be fairly going for it. And these charge really quick, or can if you've got or the right charge. Or can charge, and again, once again, by the way, it does it charges both ways, so it does vehicle to grid or vehicle to load as well. But the larger ones weigh weight in roadworthy condition. It says here. Two and a half tons, almost uh, two point six actually, two five eight five kilos, which is fairly, fairly hefty. Mm. In fact, the gross vehicle weight is three point one tons by the time you know maximum you're allowed by the time you've got passengers and luggage aboard, which is, you know, that's that's more than most vans. Yes. <laughs> yeah, more than most transits uh fully loaded so so yes uh it's it's fairly hefty but then the standard s class is hardly a lightweight either yeah uh do you want to quickly glance at just a couple from the geely list because obviously it being shanghai motor show it's geely's home motor show and they have a lot to show off <laughs> yes they do obviously they were showing a lot of their uh, chinese market stuff but also things like Lincoln Co. showed off their uh, newest plug-in hybrid variant of the 05. Volvo cars uh, were there with the uh, XC40 Recharge, um, which is their first uh, pure electric model. Polestar were there as well as the performance. But it, it's more the the in their press release, it's more the bullet points 
of other information that's... Yes, the and other stuff shoved at the bottom. <laughs> yes. One of, one of the things that uh, is... Well, the sort of caught our eye was that they have announced that they're in a partnership with Foxconn to provide EV, OEM and automotive consulting services to new brands entering the market, which is interesting if it is possible. Of course, well, we all know Foxconn for being manufacturers of electronic goods, which are then labelled by other manufacturers. They're a primary supplier to Apple, for example, mm. building building iPhones uh, and stuff. So that's quite interesting because that could mean that other brands could come along from any walk of life, I guess, and say, you know what, we'd quite like a, a, a vehicle with our look and feel and branding. Please, Foxconn and uh, Geely. And they would be able to come up with something, concepts, and, and sort of knock them out, essentially. Yeah. It's it's not an unusual concept. I mean, uh, in Japan, it happened for quite a long time. The Will VI is, is a, an example I always give of that, where it didn't actually have any Toyota badges on it. And the whole Will brand was, was rebranded Panasonic and Matsushita uh, for el- electronic goods and uh, another home store from the thing. And the cars were, um, were, were Toyotas, but... but branded and completely styled completely differently so it's not a new idea it's just kind of interesting when it's about evs and and some of the mutterings that are going on around the place mm. uh, added to that uh, polestar talked about their uh, zero project um which is to uh, they are attempting to create a truly climate neutral polestar car by 2030 without relying on offsetting by planting trees mm. and they were being particularly vocal about other brands who made similar promises about being carbon neutral but have then gone off and offset it by planting trees pointing out that offsetting is kind of cheating yes i've always i've always felt that when countries have said it's okay we can offset this by we stick a load of trees that you wonder where they are but uh you know say well Well, that's part of the trouble with offsetting yeah it's going to be interesting to see how polestar get on with that because that's really quite a tough tough ask for car manufacturers but i think it is the way that ultimately it will be going maybe hmm. maybe not in our lifetime but i think it will have to get that way because you know every time we make something it, hmm. it there is a cost yeah it's an interesting one because you can start to get part way there with stuff like recycled aluminium and things making sure it's recycled uh and then if you start to use uh plant fibers uh, mm. for things and uh yeah you can you can start to use that strengthening in composites and and stuff and for and you know woolen seats and 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 cottons seat materials and stuff like that so you can start to get there but still an awful lot of way to go after that yeah especially in you know an electric car so yep do you want to just round this out then with one that wasn't specifically shanghai but did catch our eye that is for it sure. is, yeah, oh gosh, it rhymes and everything. Yes, so uh, the Hyundai Pony EV concept isn't actually on show in Shanghai. It's at the recently opened Hyundai Motor Studio Busan as part of its Reflections in Motion exhibition until the 27th of June. If you happen to be passing by. Yeah, not so sure about that. But it's, uh, yeah, Pony EV is, it was, I quite like this. I like the story behind this, but it turns out that Hyundai's head of interior design, a chap called Haksu Ha, decided, sort of led a project to create a retro version 
of the original Hyundai Pony, which was built by, well, it was based on Ford Cortina, built by one of the ex-senior blokes at, at British Leyland, who oversaw the sort of building of the factory and stuff. So it's quite legendary. It's the first Korean car that was ever really mass-produced and exported. And it was designed and styled by Giorgetto Gijara. What they've done here as this this sort of styling one-off project is they've taken an original 1970s because the that original car was built between 1975 and 1990 can you believe wow. uh yeah quite unheard of now so they've taken a 1970s one and they've essentially completely rebuilt it and refurbished it they've gone kind of minimal but also very much keeping the original style so you know the the original windows the original door handles the look like the original windscreen wipers but then things like the light and the grill and everything else has been sort of paired right back to i don't want to use the word minimal again but but it, it's it's not been shaved or smoothed or anything you know max no. powery uh, but it has been sort of rationalized i think yeah edited to to what's needed dechrome trimmed <laughs> yeah a little bit but yeah 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 uh, but stuff that gets people are the, the lights the the led rear lights uh in their sort of matrix setup and the front lights as well mm. where it kind of the leds surround the center part and like the cameras for the rear view mirrors in the top of the wings uh, are just fantastic and what amazes me about this is that when i was when i worked lad I remember going down the A9 in on the school minibuses and I was sitting up near the front and sort of looking out at stuff and the headmaster was driving and he commented on the car in front. He said, well, just look at that. There is absolutely nothing to that. It's, it's not styled or anything. Who's going to buy one of these, one of these Hyundai, Hyundai things? And it was one of these. From memory, it was sort of pale yellow or some awful color. And it did look at the time, it looked rubbish. Mm. But I think sort of time and the evolution of tastes and things have meant that nowadays, actually, you look at it and you go, yeah, Shijaro, and it looks great. The interior and the dashboard is even better. It's sensational. It's got Nixie Tube instruments or Nixie Tube style instruments for a start. If you Mm. don't know what a Nixie Tube is, it's one of those, like a light bulb with all the different numbers on bulbs inside. Yep. Uh, which changes. So you used to see them in cash registers and, and, and things. I can't think where else. But they were very, they look wonderful, but they are very fragile and quite expensive. It's just nice leather touches like the one on the steering wheel, which keeps the original steering wheel shape and, and, and style. It's just... The seats look amazing. Oh, hang on, hang on. Sorry, I was just scrolling up and down here as opposed to through the slideshow at the top. Uh, the car... The, yes, they do, don't they? Sort of bucket, mm. cobra styly bucket seats, but squared off. Um, the car magazine article that'll be linked in the show notes is a nice sort of brief summary and lots and lots of pictures. It looks great. Really, really like that a lot. Yep. In summary, I've waffled far too much on that. We we're meant to be just nipping through those, but there we go. <laughs> no, so Hyundai, make that happen in reality, please. Mm-hmm. Not just a one off. That's lovely. You know that people have got all misty-eyed about the the retro Renault 5 and stuff like that. It's the same kind of idea. And the Manta sort of concepts and stuff like that used to go, well, if people will go for it, 
possibly there is a market you know it's and we're not talking high mileage evs but hmm. maybe you know i'm thinking along the lines of the honda honda e type mileage mm-hmm. you know to get people interested in and going down that route or the mazda mx 30 30 isn't it yeah yeah mm-hmm. anyway that uh is way nowhere near the middle um <laughs> It was either going to be too long at the start or too long at the end, so who knows. But yes, it's Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show, where we ask for a dad of financial support to keep the lights on the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, we completely understand. And you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and some of you do, so thanks very much, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes, thank you. Andrew, some WRC news. There is. Uh, We're going to start out... Well, it's, it's not great news, both of the items, but the first one is that uh, Rally Croatia will definitely not be the first uh, WRC to have uh, fans. Unfortunately, whilst uh, everybody knew that the spectator stage in Zagreb near the uh, with the finish line near the service park had already been cancelled, on Monday the Croatian government uh, declared that there was now a limit on no more than 25 people gathering in any one area so that's put the kibosh on people being able to go out into the countryside to watch various parts of the rally there alas Hmm. so that's a shame shame. Uh, but the rally's still going on as of time of recording (laughs) so fingers crossed that still happens but i think wrc have sort of got a handle on how they can do that in a safe manner that keeps everyone who has to be there safe as well as reassures uh, local authorities that they're not endangering anyone there or anyone who might be near who are locals Mm -hmm. so that's good and that online coverage is excellent as well so yes it is it is very good other bit of news and again this is this is not great news but the hybrid testing has had to be suspended Compact Dynamics has requested that Hyundai, Toyota, Gazoo and M-Sport to send back the parts to the factory in near Munich because um, they discovered there was an issue with one of the batteries. No details of what the problems were and no details from any of the teams of how much testing and what type of testing they had done so far. Because we don't know anything, we don't know if this actually impacts next year's car or not, and whether it's just a quick thing and then there's there's just a reset back in the factory and it's sent back out again and they can crack on or not. We don't know. Yeah. No nobody knows yet. Yeah, so it potential concern but let's not worry too much just yet. Yep. Designer's mood board. Yes. Alejandro Messonero Romanos will be temporarily replaced uh, as the head of design at Dacia, uh, less than a year after joining the company from Renault. Yes, he's being replaced by the Renault Group Global Access Design Chief, David Durand, for the time being. Well, it looks like he's been poached 
by Stellantis and Alfa Romeo. Yes, it does. And there are reports. The irony of that, to me, is that he was previously design director at SEAT. Mm. And of course, that just always makes me think of uh, Luca da Silva, who did the opposite, who was head of design at Alfa Romeo, uh, introduced the tall grill, and then went to SEAT and introduced a tall grill. So, um, so yes, it seems to be happening the other way around uh, this time. But more on that, I think, whenever we all know. And I'm sure that'll be announced more widely at some point. Yep, absolutely right. Lunchtime read. Lunchtime read. Uh, and this is a a newer one from a friend of the show, Nir Khan. And it's titled, Designers are from Neptune and Engineers are from Jupiter. And he's talking about the relationship uh, between designers and engineers uh, and how sometimes it's not as smooth uh, as one would hope or expect. And he tries to make out that designers don't just sit there with their crayons scribbling things and give it to engineers and say make that happen no i am i am kidding massively uh, anyone who has listened to rearview episode one will understand near's background and how vital he found and and interesting he found engineering being linked to design so closely mm-hmm. uh, through his course and has done so ever since this this is a really interesting article that goes through and explains how when designers and engineers work together well and they do it closely you can make some utter magic but i won't go into too much detail because i don't want to spoil this because it is a, another cracking one yeah um but yeah no great article near mm-hmm. as usual go on you've got a list of the week for us though i do and it's by another another friend of the show by anthony ingram uh, over on Haggerty, writing for the, the sort of content side of the insurance company website. Uh, and this is a great list of 20 old car features we miss. Now, I don't miss all of them, but I do hit quite a few of them, to be perfectly honest. So, Andrew, do you have a particular favourite from this list? Uh, um, it's it's really very tricky, because there are... There are a lot. So many. <laughs> it's easier for me to tell people which ones I don't like. Yes. Um, I'd I'd suggest for me the one I don't miss is removable um, stereo faces. No, that's a good one. Not the way I ever lived in anywhere high enough crime that it was ever worth removing them, to be perfectly honest. Mm. But yeah, yeah, that that's one. The other one I don't miss, by the way, is similar. It's it's that that's listed here is our our physical keys. Really? It's such a pain, yeah, yeah. And I particularly noticed it with the Mercedes in the in the winter whenever the locks froze. Uh, so that oh, was okay. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, uh, that and the fact that I keep walking up to the car and trying to just touch the door handle and open it, uh, <laughs> or. Because I am so spoiled by um Is that what you're claiming is when neighbours go, what are you doing, Alex? Oh, I keep forgetting this. Yeah, I'm just touch stealing entry. this I'm car. I'm not just yeah. going up and going, oh, I like you, car. No, I promise <laughs> I'm not just doing that. But there's so many on here that I do like. Yes, I, I, I like touching the button. Yeah, I, I like pushy button ignition. I'm sorry. I, I do. It's, uh, but, it, yes. it always brings a smile to my face in a childish manner, and I, I don't care. What, the push button ignition? Yep. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yep, definitely 
but no great list do please uh, link in the show notes as ever uh, it's on Haggerty uh, do go take a look because there's lots of good stuff and of course uh, a lovely uh, and far wittier than us commentary uh, to go along with them yep and finally right I'm going to and finally yes uh, and this is from Petrol Blog and it's, a, it's a, a couple of months ago but it is a film it's titled Lost Bullet is a film about a Renault 21 Turbo <laughs> Uh, and this is uh, what sounds like a, a mad film, French, uh, French police crime movie in which a Renault Twenty One is, according to Petrol Blog, really the star of the show. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's, it's, there's actors there, but you know they're just merely window dressing for the car. Yeah, well, it is a French film, so that, yes. Uh, so yeah, it, it seems that it's the hero car. There's lots of other stuff that goes along with it. Did we say what it was called? It's called Lost Bullet. It's on Netflix. Yes. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I will add it to my my list. Yes, I'm I'm going to. It looks superbly mad. Hmm. Um, I don't know whether this is worth a watch along at some point. It might be. Let, let's watch it first. But yeah, there's, I mean, one of the paragraphs here is comparisons with the Fast and Furious franchise are inevitable. You'll also find elements of Mad Max, a hint of the taxi films, and a touch of Baby Driver. Works for me. Sounds like it's ticking a lot of boxes. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I'm not expecting complex dialogue either, so so the, the there shouldn't be too much lost in the in the subtitles. So, so yes, <laughs> thanks, Gav. We shall watch that. Yes, do read through, again, another wonderful article from Gavin. Uh, that rounds us up this week apart from a quick reminder that last Friday was a special edition with Chris Pollitt Mm-hmm. of Car and Classic, all about Car and Classic and the joys of just what it is and talking a bit about uh, selling classic cars and auctions and all that kind of thing. It was, it's not very long. It's 24, 25 minutes. We, we managed to keep off the subject of actual old cars and nattering and all the other things that Chris and I do. And just actually, you know. So that was before or after you pressed record? <laughs> Both. <laughs> the joys of talking to your friends. <laughs> it still somehow took us an hour and a half to record 26 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was a joy of talking to our friends. Well, thanks for chatting, Chris. It's really appreciated. Yes, it really was. It's always nice to chat to Chris, to be perfectly honest, whether it it's for a podcast or not. Mm-hmm. That's us for the week. But don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer or all the other ways of supporting us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, whilst you're searching for a new co-host who doesn't take a drink at an inappropriate moment, what's the best way for the people to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way is Twitter. And if you would like to apply for the post of drinking at inappropriate moments co-host, then uh, then do get in touch where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We will both, I guess, uh, be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.